0: Hi, this is Karina Gantas, host of Behind the Pen, and you're listening to the audio podcast. Enjoy. here, your host for Behind the Pen. Thank you for joining me. I am an author of 14 books. I'm a podcaster, YouTuber. I run Author Assist, which helps authors with their marketing and promotion. I'm also the radio host of the First um, Radio Network Author Assist radio show. Now today I have two very special guests. They are Goliath in the movie industry. We have David Wenzel and David Vando, all the way from the U.S. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank A you. Picture.
0: Now, for those that don't recognize the name or uh, recognize who you are, um, you are producer, actors, writers in and award-winning movie producer and writer, congratulations, by the way, for the uh, movie Hamlet Horatio. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of Shakespeare. I'm a big fan of Hamlet itself. So when I heard about this uh, this film, I was like, oh, how are you doing this? How, how's this going to work? You know, because you're telling the story in the point of view of Horatio who, for those that don't know, was the best friend of Hamlet and Hamlet made him promise when he was on his deathbed as they say, well he's lying on the floor, but made him promise that he would tell his story, tell the true story of what happened with the uh, the poison and the and the murders and everything that went on uh, and suicide and oh everything went on in that film. Now, here's my first question because I'm I watched the trailer like 10 times and it doesn't give anything away. And I'm like, how have you done this? Because it looks modern. Whereas, of course, if you're ca- ca- carrying on from the story of Hamlet, we're going hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Um, so it looks modern. And I'm gonna ask you first, uh, David Vando, mm-hmm. have you done any Shakespeare um, speech Uh, dialogue, or is it all in understandable English?
2: The text is the original text. I have obviously altered the text uh, to make it for a contemporary audience so they can just watch it and enjoy it as it unfolds. Mm -hmm. I have changed archaic words and substituted them with other words that, that would understand. have been Shakespeare's vocabulary. There's, there's no modern slang or, or or thing of that nature. And I defy most people, unless they're, they're, they're Shakespeare scholars and things, to, to know where I've made those changes. Good um, for you. Yeah, you, you uh, do that. It, it was quite a quite a chore. I spent a lot of time <sighs> thinking about uh, word changes. But yeah, I some, can only some imagine. of them were absolutely as, as essential. For example, I'll give you an example of in the to be or not to be, which is done very very differently than you're used to. So I, I'm not going to tell you what how it's done, but it's going to be, be different to be. and exciting. Oh, Uh, The line is, uh, the, from the, the undiscovered country from whom's born, no traveler returns. I change that. The undiscovered country from whom's borders, no man returns. Now, that's an essential word change for the meaning of that speech there. Yes. I agree. And so I made, changes. I made changes like that. But I've also made scenes. I have a number of scenes that are just cinematic scenes that do not appear in, in the play. I've, I've made a scene, entirely made up a scene from bits of speeches and dialogues and things between Hamlet Horatio in, in entirely different moments and put them into a whole new scene.
0: Ooh, you devil you. <laughs> scene.
2: <laughs> you're mixing it up, aren't you? <laughs> I, I'm not going to tell you which scene that is because I don't trust you. You're going to have to see this. Oh, I'm see, definitely, to yeah, I'm definitely going to be
0: watching
2: it. I'm trying to get your listeners here to, to see this. So yeah, I'm not going to give away all the things. No. Because, <laughs> because I think a lot of your listeners are just as crazy about Shakespeare as we are, I hope but, the so. point is, but the point is this film is for those who are, who are not Shakespeare.
0: You want new fans, you or, want or, to or, or, introduce or, or, Shakespeare oh. in a different way to a younger audience.
2: Yes, absolutely. This is but what I wanted to my... ask
0: you. Um, you've got this, as, as I said before, Hamlet Horatio, It's Horatio's point of view, telling the story like he promised he would do um, when Hamlet was dying. But you've got him telling the story by actually being a director of a film and filming what happened in Hamlet. So is the actual filming when you see the actors playing out the script of Hamlet in Shakespearean language?
2: Yes. But Shakespeare's play, as you know, is a play within a play within a play, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, I yes, it it is. Is,
2: yeah. It's a play within a play within a play. And our film is a film within a film within a film. I love it. Okay? I love it. And, and, and the over, and the third, it, it's if the camera is the eye of God watching the proceedings here, okay? Yep. So we have a cinematographer who opens the, the, the film on an empty soundstage, getting his camera ready for the, for the stagehands and performers to come on. But he's also being filmed by an unseen camera, and now he films the preparation behind scenes and the film itself. So it's a film within the film within the film. It's very arty. Very arty. Yes, it is, I I must say. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let me me ask you, um, David uh, Wenzel, um, Mm -hmm? why 20 years? With this collaboration, why did yeah. it take so long to get everything, all the pieces together?
1: Yeah, it. Um, I originally um started. I was cast um, as an understudy to play Hamlet with the Waterloo Bridge Theater in back in two thousand. And then what happened is the lead after that I was playing Hamlet went off to go do a movie, <laughs> and I never thought in a million years I'd play Hamlet. So I had like literally seven yeah. days to learn the text and go perform it. Well, it was, so. <laughs> To make a long story short, um, it was a short run. It was an off-Broadway run in New York. It got my uh, feet wet, but I always felt like, you know, I missed a real golden opportunity to explore the nature of that text the way it should be. So I reached out to David Van Doe and David started to cultivate the text. And we started to look at it in reverse from Horatio's perspective. And we ended up doing like eight or nine off-Broadway productions that kind of cultivated the script and the idea. And that's there was a whole tenure of this being worked out in front of a live audience. And as David would say, you know, we've reached such a point in a pinnacle with a live audience that in order to pursue a bigger and greater audience, it needed to go to film. And that's when I reached out to David and said, I think it's time to do a movie. So I mean, I kind of condensed and I gave you the cliff notes version of that for 20 years, but it's <laughs> a lot of there's, I mean. How you know, many
0: theatres did you actually uh, play at with this? Um, yeah, we played at,
1: the, um, we, we played, we had one production at the St. Luke's Theatre on 47th Street. It's a famous off-Broadway theatre in New York City. Then we had gone to um, the Zipper Theatre, the Zipper and Belt Theatre that um, um, Mc, Andrew McKiernan had was the uh, artistic director there. But that theatre had the likes of Roger Reese. Um, uh, Idina Menzel would come in and perform, so it was a high-profile entity there, and then we ended up actually doing another production at the um, the Actors Chapel, right on Broadway, St. Malachy's. That's right across the street from the O'Neill Theatre. So, so
0: while all that was going, you were still together working on hmm? building it up, even while you were doing these productions?
1: after every performance when we were going to initiate a new kind of sequence of a production, you know, David and I and David mainly would get together and kind of just rethink the text. we would discuss kind of what worked on stage, what didn't. I mean, it's hard not to give away the house because I do want the audience to see this interpretation because it, it is very, very creative.
0: Yeah. It, it
1: is, it's got intrigue. It's got all the elements that a film should have. So when David was saying you don't have to be a Shakespeare aficionado to get it. Trust me, I have a six year old kid that watched the movie and called me and literally gave me his Siskel and Ebert version and interpretation of the movie and got every bullet point correct. Wow.
0: Six years old, six so,
1: years six old. Can get it. so I think you know, 16 can get it, 26 can get it, 36 can get it. You know what I mean? Yeah,
2: and one of my students who I teach at the New York Film Academy, I teach Shakespeare there, obviously. <laughs> and uh, one of my scholarship students contacted me because I had sent him a, a, a link to see the see the film yes and uh, he loved it and he said that his grandmother loved it too <laughs> so I said okay now we've got we've got all generations
1: you know that's, right
0: that's amazing right. And-
1: and not to impugn upon the actors that have come before us. You have traditional productions. You know, David and I have seen pretty much, you know, Olivier. We've seen Mel Gibson. Um, I've seen the Kenneth Bernard that's set in the Edwardian period, which is, you know, all of those are beautiful kind of traditional productions of that. I mean, uh, the Olivier one might be a little bit more closer in terms of condensing text and and making it like kind of more of a shorter and focused kind of entity without all the political stuff that happens within the realm of the play. And um, I think, you know, for us, you know we were kind of like breaking new ground, you know? Um, Yeah, and taking, I, I say this, you know, cautiously, we're not certainly, our goal is not to offend Anyone that holds Shakespeare dear to their heart, but I think, as David would attest to this too, if Shakespeare was alive, he was such a contemporary of his time, he would have been along the lines I think of what we were doing too. He would have made it more innovative for the audience, you know. I mean, he could he could have been battling with Christopher Marlowe across Christopher Marlowe across the street, you know. Um, he's doing that. Let me see. I'm gonna do the Merchant of Venice, and you know, I could you know that's what kind of like. I think in retrospect when you're looking at it because I know we've gotten wonderful wonderful reviews and I've spoken with a lot of scholars that have been a little like I don't want to say pre Madonna-esque about it but they were like you know how dare you you know do that what gives you the authority, authority
0: to take a classic do, movie like that? that and to yeah, yeah
1: to 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 mess with the text and I said well the authority is is keeping Shakespeare relevant the the story the, the the relevancy is is the symbolism in the the play like you just talked about Hamlet uh Horatio and Hamlet and Hamlet saying I need you to live to tell the story so in essence Shakespeare is living through us to continue his legacy for centuries of work still pushing it forward to a new generation. And
0: this is why that it's got so many awards for your film festivals, so. because it is keeping uh, the subject of Shakespeare, his work, his story, um, the Hamlet, everything alive, but ready for a new generation. And I think that's why people are really taking a, a really good look Dyson, at this film. I,
2: I, and I want you to know, there's no one There may be some that are more so, but believe me, I'm a very veteran worshiper of Shakespeare since I was a teenage boy and started reading the complete works of Shakespeare when I was 13 or 14 years old. And uh, I'm a teacher of Shakespeare. I've adapted Shakespeare for a number of other Formats, including a musical version of *Love's Labor's Lost* uh, for the Folger Library Theater in Washington, D.C. And
0: you're the man. You're I the am- man. You're the man that everyone needs to see if they want yes. to do anything with say. Am-
2: I have tremendous reverence for the man and the text. Most of all for the meaning behind his work.
0: His words and his work, yeah. Such you you powerful, found the right person, David.
2: Such powerful yes. pieces.
0: Totally. He's
2: the most moral playwright of all times.
0: Yes, second to the Bible.
2: I mean, well, really. He's he, he's
1: married to the Bible. Correct, <laughs> the morality tales are there. Yeah, the, I mean. Duality of good and evil.
2: And what we, you know, in, in, a, in a four or five hour stage version of, of the play, you, you, tend, you can't help but tend to lose sight of the, the spiritual context of the piece because all of Shakespeare's works work on multiple levels at the same time. He's great at it. There's a social level, there's a historic level, there's a psychological level, there's a political level, and all of this is, is going on and on and on, you know, in conflict. But ultimately, it's the spiritual level that supersedes all of these.
0: I have a question for you, yes. a Shakespeare question. It seems that a lot of his plays, uh, a lot of his sonnets and what have you, were all to do with the the crown and uh, castles and kings and queens and the royalties why do you think he did a lot of his plays in that setting well it it was
2: the style and, and remember he had royalty he had a queen elizabeth and king james to to please and be invited to court and king james was his you know, they became the king's men, mm-hmm. right? So they did stories about Henry the Eighth and other things like that, which would would uh, appeal to their uh, sponsors, their benefactors. But he, he could also do something rowdy like Mary Wise of Windsor, and 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 uh, you know, there's no kings or queens there. There's a drunken. Full staff, but uh, 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 other than that, it, it, it's, it's not uh, set in, in, in court. Uh,
0: do you but, think, uh, I mean, there, there's, there are some that say, I mean, as an author myself, I mean, we do hear our characters talk in our heads, and I admit that, so I put my hand up to that, you know, we have a little bit of schizo in us because uh, we listen to what they say and we we follow the path they tell us and when they tell us often tell us well no I wouldn't do that, we listen to them. So Shakespeare being a a writer and assume he went through the same thing, does that make him at all, there is stories that he could have been bipolar? How do you feel about that?
2: I don't think he was a bipolar. I just think he was a genius.
0: Oh yeah, no doubt about that. Uh,
2: and uh, we 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 tend to make those sort of uh, comments when we don't fully appreciate the nature of genius, right. because genius is un unde- definable. Um, how how does a child six or seven years old start writing symphonies? Uh, I, I don't know. You you tell me whether it's it's just a gift from God or or was that little soul had previous life experiences and and Mm -hmm. reincarnated. I I don't know, but it sort of makes a good case for reincarnation. Uh, But uh, all geniuses are unique to themselves. And... uh, uh, their uniqueness is, is, is what manifests their genius.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and they all, all geniuses have to be looked at from different points uh, uh, of, of view. I don't think it was a mental deformity. I, 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 it, it was someone who had, from childhood, a series of epiphanies. Mommy, I, 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 I like watching the actors, you know, when they come to, when are they coming to town again? Uh, and. Uh,
0: how old was he when he wrote his first uh, sonnet or play?
2: How old was he?
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, probably in his late 30s.
0: Mm, late then.
2: Late 30s. Uh, Shakespeare died in his early sixties. Um,
0: thirty years and all that creativity in thirty years—that's just amazing.
2: Right, right. But but his, his his sonnets. The main thing about Shakespeare is not the kings and, and queens. It's it's the uh, concept of love mm. that unifies them all and. Supersedes because in Shakespeare's world, anything that prevents people from sharing their love with one another results inevitably in tragedy. (laughs) Romeo and Juliet, the parents keep the two kids away; tragedy. Iago puts a barrier between Desdemona and Othello, and what happens? Tragedy.
0: And in Hamlet, she commits suicide. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, David, uh, Wendell, um, what was, why was it in Horatio's point of view, why did you pick that way I to did, take the film?
1: I always felt that Hamlet's fate would end up like Ophelia if he didn't have Horatio. Poor Ophelia had nobody to bounce the things that were going on with her. Her father and the political thing, and the nature of what is right in royalty in court. And you know, this idea of you romanticizing Hamlet will not be had. The brother leaves her, goes off to college to sow his royal oats, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always mother, right? Right, no that's mother. right. No mom. So, I always felt that you know, the the relationship where Hamlet Horatio super exceeded, uh, it, it really was. Uh, what kept Hamlet around.
0: It was a a uh, brotherly love, wasn't it? Brotherly love, maybe even more than that.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think eternal soul, kinship, kinship, um, something that's bigger than a physical, anything physical, I mean, there's a spiritual connection. I mean, obviously there are kinship. There's a, you know, like all friends, they battle back and forth in terms of their wit. And, you know, he even says there are more things in Heaven and earth, Ratio than are dreamt of in your philosophies. I mean, you know, look at the relationship. It's crystal clear. You know, I always felt that I saw productions that they kind of pushed Horatio to the side as just a, a non-real entity, little, you know? little
0: character,
1: side yeah, character. Like, oh, he's much more involved. His much eyes more are more- on everything. I mean, when we did the version of it, it would be on play in the, in the stage. Many a times the Horatio character would be in the scene and then he would be stepping out in the wings so everyone could see him as he was still very much observing everything. I Almost like, I got, yeah, I got your back, Hamlet. You know what I mean? I
0: love that. That is yeah, so cool.
1: Yeah. I just, yeah. that's just me. I mean, people can say otherwise, but I've repeatedly said that over and over and over again. You know, um, I know there's productions that push you know, incestual stuff and things to that nature. I never, I don't really buy that myself personally. Um, I get, you know, the edges and let's let's make it a little more shocking and revealing. Some directors like to, you know, push the political aspects of it. Some people like to push the sexuality aspect of it. But look at the text. It's so much bigger than that.
0: Same. And there is nothing
1: wrong with doing that. I mean, Hamlet's so beautiful, you can put on a football field. You can literally put Hamlet on a football field and make him the quarterback you know? Well,
2: well, it's important for me, uh, and I think Shakespeare intended, is that Hamlet and Horatio are really two aspects of the same soul.
0: I agree Uh, with that. I uh, can see that.
2: he, He does this sort of thing. For example, Cordelia, The Fool, and King Lear,
0: are like body, mind, and soul, mm. uh,
2: and uh, uh, in, in in this piece, it's as if Horatio is his conscience, you might say. Yeah, uh, and uh, they 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 really tied together in, in such a such symbolic way that uh, Shakespeare is making a a, a symbolic statement
1: of the nature of our souls. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, also, I think, too, in the text, it goes even deeper than that. Every pivotal moment when David talks about epiphanies, Horatio is there. Horatio is there in the beginning to say, I think I saw your father when, uh, yeah. He's he's the first one
0: to see the ghost. And he knows that his closest friend is going to believe him and not think of him being crazy and going mad like everybody thinks hamlet is in the end because he knows Uh, he trusts his best friend he knows he's going to listen to him
1: and and also you know here's a little sneak peek because david as the cinematographer also plays death to me he plays the grave digger that's our interpretation of death here's another very important epiphany moment hamlet horatio and the grave digger basically from ashes you were born ashes you shall return who was that york i knew him a fellow infinite jest, you know that that whole sequence, that
0: whole and sequence then you have ago, yeah. then you have the
1: final sequence at the end. And in us, we've painted a picture of the pieta, so to speak, because Horatio has the body of Hamlet in his arms as he offers it up to the light and the love to transcend the evil. I mean, mm-hmm. that's our. I mean. I, I mean, that's the way that we have seen it. People can argue against it. And it's not really an argument. It's just our interpretation. That's what makes art beautiful. It Your is. interpretation of it is going to be different, you know?
0: That's that's what we, makes it, uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. interpretation. And, and making it um, real for for uh, people to believe. Um, right. And you,
2: know, you know who this has inspired me? One of the most in, in doing things like this is Peter Brook. He's, he's just the most brilliant directors I have seen in my lifetime. And he's done such wonderful different interpretations, not only of Shakespeare, but of opera and, and you, 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 you name it. And and it, it's his daring and things which uh, has in, in, encouraged me to, to, to give flight to to my
1: uh, creative juices, uh, mm-hmm. I- I- imagination. Well, I think also, I mean, you know, I, as an actor, I've, I've done a lot of television. I've done a lot of film. I've done soaps. I've done campy stuff. I've done stuff that has really no m- a deeper meaning than commercialism on the highest level. And this piece has been with me for 20 plus years. I mean, Assessing I feel like this is, this is my This is my Monte Cristo. Yeah, this is your soul. yeah. This is me, Eugene O'Neill, as he, you know, uh, his father Tyrone played the Count of Monte Cristo over and over again. This is the Hamlet thing. And all the experiences, I got to be in a room with Anthony Hopkins. I've got to work with some really incredible actors. So has David. He worked at the Metropolitan Opera. He worked with Franco Zeffirelli. You can't, you can't have, he can't be influenced any greater than anybody like that visionary because that's mm. in this work too by the way. Mm. When you see the frame by frame pictures, it is is a visionary piece. Film is a film medium, but vis- uh uh it's the very only visual from is-
0: from the trailer you can tell it's very visual yes. it's very arty.
1: Yes. Yes. Where can yes.
0: um people see the film now? Where is it available? Amazon to watch? Prime
1: video it's on Amazon, it's on Google Play. It's on iTunes um it's on if you have apple tv you can connect your device to that too it's I mean, it's available on roku all of them if you literally just go to your roku box or whatever and put Hamlet backslash horatio it's has everything's going to pop up it's there wonderful. we um we're moving to other platforms as well i mean we're hoping to be on voodoo pretty soon and Good. and amc and and then we'll do television and, and transactional and all that stuff too but right now it's pretty much on those majors and YouTube as well, which is pay-per-view. You just have to purchase it on YouTube.
0: I want to- I um, uh, rent it, I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to thank you both so much for coming on Behind the Pen and talking about this uh, amazing film. And I really can't wait to watch it because like I said, I'm a fan of, uh, especially Hamlet the film, Mel Gibson, of course, he's my uh, generation. So <laughs> um, uh, I hope uh, it goes as far as it can go. I wish you huge success with it. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, all the best.
1: Thank you so much. What we'll do is we'll follow up after you watch it because that's a whole other episode. (laughs)